Harrison Price for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. Coming to you from the Go Goat Sports Studio, built by Arbor Lee here at the Iconic Wall Center in downtown Vancouver. If you're looking for a place in the city, no better place to stay than here. Matt Sikaris alongside Blake Price. Trevor Martins hitting switches, conducting things for a vacation in Grady Sass. And this show, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. We're at Applewood Nissan Richmond, Applewood Nissan Langley, Applewood Nissan Surrey. We can... Get you in right now to the 23 Centra at $83 weekly. The 23 Kick starts at just $65 weekly. And the 23 Cash Guy, my neighbor has one. It's gorgeous. At 76 weekly because Blake Price. It is all good at Applewood. Bodog poll question today. Are you scared Elias Pettersson is going to want out? Yes or no? You can vote at Sikharison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games. Poker strategy and sports odds. Bodog line of the day for me. I'm taking another big swing on Friday night football. I've won some uh, bigger CFL bets of late. The Stamps beat the Argos at home a couple weeks back. They're 10 point underdogs in Toronto. You know, I'm not sure the Argos is as good as their record. I'm taking Calgary to win. It pays plus 355. Love the value there Mm. on your Bodog line of the day. Is it all good in Canucklewood? Wow. <laughs> Quite a bombshell from Elias Patterson overseas in Stockholm during the NHL media tour in Europe. Get to that in a second. Just yesterday's poll. Worst Canucks acquisition of all time. OEL, Messier, Erickson, or other. Who won the poll? Uh, OEL. Yes. Percentage? Uh, 50. 49. Pretty good. Hmm. Messier and Erickson virtually tied. At 24.5%, there were very few f- votes going to other. Masked Aura. Listen to this comment. Mm-hmm. Erickson, without him, me thinks they never signed him. Louis Erickson, without him, me thinks they never acquire OEL. Interesting. Yeah. Right. From Just the way he reverse engineered it. He reversed very, it. I don't yeah. think we, we didn't get to that yesterday. Well done, Mass. I guess, I guess that's true. I, I was talking about the yeah. all the dominoes that fell as a result of OEL, but you're right, Mo. Right. The OEL the, domino was one that was started by the Louis Erickson domino. So very well yeah, thought out. Yeah. He might just have the correct answer. That, that's the best comment I read. Yeah. Frankly, I wish it was my own point. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, salt and paprika, OEL, as we were only one year away from being rid of all the other bad contracts. It cost us youth, Dylan Gunther, lots of cap space. We'll be paying him for the next decade. And he never had a season where he lived up to his contract. The other option didn't cost us all four. And then Ryle says OEL by a country mile. Paid the ninth overall pick for the privilege of acquiring a washed-up player with one of the league's worst contracts who will be on the cap until 2031. Benning's magnum opus. <laughs> Put a smile on my face, Riles. Okay, so I voted yes on the poll question. I think you have to be at this stage of the game, and I think you have to be for several reasons. Number one, this very much sounds like Elias Pettersson by choice. Doesn't want to extend right now. An unsigned player entering his final year 
who is going to have an opportunity to evaluate further a situation that has, let's face it, produced nothing but losing over his six-year NHL career. Got to one postseason, but that was a strange one. Uh, We have seen players, maybe not necessarily of this stature, but premier players, whether it's Matthew Kachuk, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Alex Dabrinkit, effectively get their way out of Canada as uh, RFAs with arbitration rights, which is what Elias Pettersson would be at the end of next summer. Basically, I think this is an extension of what we heard a few years ago in Sweden, that he wants to play for a perennial winner and playoff team, and the Canucks have not been able to deliver that. So, yes, I am officially now concerned because I do believe the Vancouver Canucks are on further notice here with a player who needs to be convinced. How did you interpret it? Well, the question is not, do you think Elias Pettersson will leave? Because if it was that question, I think I'd answer no. But the way that we've asked the poll question is, are you scared? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, the thought has crossed my mind a lot in Mm -hmm. this morning of really, could this really happen? And so, and so love watching him play. Like, it, you know, just from a competitive standpoint and what he means to the Canucks organization, but just on an 82-night basis a year, yeah, yeah. watching this guy entertain, he's marvelous. I, I do think it's still a smaller percent, percentage point. I think the mm-hmm. majority of me believes he stays mm-hmm. and that this is more a business tactic for him. Mm-hmm. But... It, again, we've got three examples in the last 13 months yeah. of this happening with RFAs, not UFAs, with RFAs. Yeah. So how would you not think about it? Mm-hmm. When I was early in my journalism career, Stephen Brunt, the uh, former Globe and Mail columnist, pulled me aside and said, kid, just understand one thing. When an athlete tells you, hey, come with me, I'm going to show you behind the curtain, they're usually just showing you another curtain. So when I heard him say, you know, I want to get off to a good start and that's why no contract talk, like I've never actually heard that. Like I've heard athletes say, I want to get this resolved. Yeah. So opposite. This is sort of the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. This comes preemptively a full, well, really month before preseason games and a full six weeks before the start of the season. If the message out of Sweden and Stockholm today would have been, hey, I would like to get this resolved one way or the other by the season opener, I could completely understand that. But there will be no extension this summer. We're going to wait it out because I want to get off to a strong start. That doesn't really compute for me. To me, that sounded like a message point crafted by an agent more so than the whole story here. Right. No, it's a it's a it's a tactic for his long-term contract strategy. Um I mean ultimately are they involved in negotiations? Of course they are. They're briefed by their agent, but they're not the ones in the trenches negotiating generally. They typically have goals they have set out for the agent. Look, this number That's important this to me. term, yeah. this kind of trade protection if you get that, just go ahead and we'll sign that. Yeah, and the agent goes about with the back and forth. So, like, how much interference is that 
in the guys negotiate in the guys preparation for the season. I don't know. I have never been through that no. uh, exactly, but we've all been through negotiations. And as we've heard from players over the years, people take it much differently. Ferraro hated being in that spot. Other guys go contract here. Giddy up. If I play well this year, stand to make more money. And that's one of the theories here. Mm-hmm. And I want to run it by you. He's betting on himself. Yeah. The cap is going up. There is more money available next summer. He mm-hmm. knows he's got leverage with the Canucks, with Arbrights against the Canucks. He could take him to arbitration if he so chose. And so this is basically a financial play. It's not necessarily a comment on the organization and its lack of competitiveness. If what he, are your thoughts on that? If he has a 90-plus season, an eighty-five, even an 85-plus season, on the back of 102 points, but anything above a point per game, really, he clobbers the Canucks in terms of leverage. Like because then you've shown pattern. Then it's not a career year. You're not you're not just relying on one oh two once and you're back down to seventy eight points. Remember, it was a big time career high for Pedersen last year. But the minute he piggybacks a second elite year on top of that, again, eighty five plus, the Canucks have yes. zero leverage. And I hear you there, Blake. But I keep returning to this point. How much more could it possibly be? And is whatever he stands to gain off another great year in the cap going up, is that worth the risk of playing this year without having the security of that big long-term extension? Because the contract wouldn't start until next season Anyway, so the Canucks could feasibly go, look, we know the cap's going up, so we're able to pay him more. You couple that with the fact that Sebastian Ajo came in, Mm -hmm. and some think it comparable, albeit I think everybody acknowledges Pedersen's a better player. The conditions seemed ripe to get him from a team perspective, and that is not happening. Okay, so you asked me how much it can change. There's two ways, there's two kinds of deals I see coming out of this a year from now. Like, do you think it could be an extra $2 million per over eight years? So nope. it's like $15, $16 million in total no, more? No, but I think it's at minimum, if he's signing an eight-year deal, at minimum, if he has another, one, let's say it's just 100 points on the nose. To me, that's at minimum, a million dollars per season, and that's eight more million dollars. Okay. Right. So, but it could get more in this scenario. He gets so much leverage there. Does he say, guys, I'm going to sign a four-year deal, take it or leave it, and it's going to be for still the same number, $11.5 million, let's say $11 million. And then at the end of that, we're going to see – and then at the and, okay. and, and then when we're, we're – again, that'll be five years from now that contract ex, uh, expires. The salary cap is what? Potentially $100 million at that point? Okay. Then he signs then for $14 million a season, and we're talking him making 20 extra million dollars. Very well deduced, Blake. That was one of my questions, because he allows for the fact that he might sign a shorter-term deal. Yeah. We've heard all this buzz about Austin Matthews in Toronto maybe seeking a shorter-term deal, three to five years, something like that. And, of course, now... The Matthews domino, if it falls, mm-hmm. could further enrich his bargaining position and ultimately the contract. Yeah. So you think that's a, a scenario here? Yeah. I mean, it's an information gathering thing. It's a huge bet on himself. And and, and yeah. now, like, let, let, let's also, uh, worst case scenario for him. Let's say he's it's an injury, injury-riddled year. Mm-hmm. Plays 45 games, gets 52 points, 
It's just sort of a meh. Like, what do you do with that? You don't do anything with it. He still probably makes a $10.5 million, and he's probably no worse for wear. Yep. All right. Answer me this one. Do you think this is all – do you think this is in any way a middle finger to the club? They have never made him a contract priority. And our friend Rick Dollywall says a contract was never getting done this summer. No rush on either side. I mean, I, I would just have one big, one word, all caps. Why? Why? Why wouldn't you try? Why? Like, why wasn't it going to be a priority at all? Well, this is why I was on you and Dollywall in early July, going, "Why isn't this agenda item number one? Why aren't the Canucks pushing like nobody's business to get this done?" They've made Quinn Hughes a priority. They made JT Miller a priority. Elias has just watched the captain get traded because they wouldn't accede to his contractual demands. Why would you further subject yourself to the speculation around Elias? Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that he could light it up and stand to make more money. Like, why wasn't the Canucks' best offer tabled on July one? What more do you need to see? Yeah, I mean, I, I hey, if they had given it a decent effort and it didn't get signed, so be it. Not the end of the world. You've got two more years of club control ahead of you. But by all accounts now, it sounds like it was a pretty mild negotiation this summer, if at, if at all. If at all. Yeah. Blake. And that, to me, raises some concerns about Canucks management. Frankly, well, okay, it, it's me, conscious. I, I just, I like, like, I don't think this is something like, oh, like should it's do. not like Patrick Calvin has been in this chair before. Like, this is a tester now. No, but Jim's there. Rutherford is. Yeah, there. fair enough. Um, they have a. I'm. I am sure this has been like unlike previous regimes where we thought like things just literally they ran out of time. They forgot about X, Y, and so I don't think they're. I don't think that's the case. This is part of a plan. I just can't, for the life of me, see what that would be. Yeah. So there is some good news amongst the commentary that Elias made in Sweden. Yeah. Some of it is actually via Mike Russo in the Athletic. Right. He he told Elias or he told Elliot Friedman, Vancouver's turned him into a big city guy. That's why he's in Stockholm now. He loves the city, of course. He went further with Russo, and then he even talked about how he loves the scrutiny, loves the sort of pressure pot. Here's the the quotes from Russo: "Quote, of course, it's a passionate fan base. They bleed hockey out there. Passionate media too. They try to find everything out." But I like it that way. I like the overall hockey interest. Obviously, they want the answers. But the answer is that I'm preparing to be in the best shape I can for the season, and I'm excited, end quote. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I loved about yeah, the commentary. It's a, it's a great quote. Like, to, to me, that's what you're holding on to here if you're a Canucks fan or the Vancouver Canucks. Because I think what Elias has said there is, and I think we know this about his personality, we don't know these athletes as well as we think we do, but I, I I think we have a gauge on Elias here after six years. Like, I don't see Elias Pettersson as the type of guy who wants to go to a non-hockey environment and just blend in. I think Elias wants to be in an environment where hockey matters so much 
And frankly, I think he likes a little bit of the celebrity of being a star player in a Canadian city. Let me give you another quote here. It's been a while since they've won here. So mm-hmm. I think it would be pretty special to win a cup here. It's right. something that I kind of dreamed about my whole life. And this is a great place to do it, end quote. Right. Matt, that's not Elias Pettersson. That's Johnny Goodrow. <laughs> you fooled me. So, but I, I that's get, what we've always said, Blake. If you win here, they'll build statues of you. If you win in Anaheim, you get a little parade down Disney. My, my, my greater point is you can say all you want right now. Those feelings can change. Ah, fair enough. You know, like best intended. Matthew Kachuk said the same same things. So great that he said mm-hmm. it, and and that's all he can do right now is say that. Mm-hmm. But it's not gospel. It, he's not contractually obliged now to stay in Vancouver because he said he loves it here. Do you think JT Miller is a complicating factor here? We know they're not exactly the best <clears throat> of buddies. They have talked about how they're completely opposite personalities. Um. I mean, everybody likes to be happy in their workplace. Um, I think I think that's where this year could be interesting. Yes, I mean people change. Um, JT Miller might calm down just a smidge enough so that Elias Pettersson sees a path there. There's also a power vacuum. We'll see how that plays out yeah. and whether, whether anyone will be adorned with the C or if they're going three A's. And that's my next question, Blake. What do you think this does to the Canucks vacant captaincy? What are the ramifications? Um, my guess is there isn't a captain for this year. That would be my that would be my guess. I think they're going three alternates yeah. the way they ended last year. Yeah. Okay. There's been teams that have gone multiple years down that route. Do you think there's any world now where they hand Elias the C for this year? Uh, I still yeah, I still think that's a possibility. Okay. I think they could have that conversation with him and he may say yes, he may say no. Um but and he would say no, folks, just to be clear. No, he'd probably say no, not right now, would be my guess if he says no. Um, so, I mean, I, I'd be too curious. If I'm Alvine or, or Rutherford, like if he's your guy, if you ultimately oh. think it's him over Hughes, mm-hmm. I'd be too curious not to have that conversation course, with him now. Of course. Does Quinn Hughes now vault to the top of the power rankings with separation in terms of who's the next Canucks captain? Um, I mean, not in my power rankings. He's a. I mean, he wouldn't be an embarrassment of a of a choice. But I still think I'd, I'd probably rather that be Elias Pettersson. Okay. For and and just by a smidge. Again, he's not a terrible choice, but I, I think he's still my choice. But I don't know what the Canucks are thinking on that regard. I don't know. We'll talk about this more with our guests today, but we've got a. Uh Update on international hockey from the deputy commissioner overseas. What did Bill yeah, Daly say? on the same say? trip, I believe, mm-hmm. um, saying that international hockey is very much on their agenda. You know, great to hear them talking like this at the very least, like they actually enjoy it, because it, sometimes it just sounds like they don't enjoy it. But it sounds like it could happen. First of all, he invoked the next three Olympic Games and uh, a World Cup starting in was it that would be on the 2832 cycle 283236 so they want it two years intersecting the world cup and the olympics but in the meantime before wait the, wait the olympics are 20 sorry you're right yes um i'm so confused i know it is confusing <laughs> especially since world to- cups and- tokyo is actually 2021 but we're talking about summer games next year three years later and, and world cups and uh yeah all that uh but they, they are talking about 2025 
mm-hmm. being an opportunity for what they call a quote unquote international tournament. They say, oh, we don't know what that means. Well, neither do we. But it sounds like they want to do a non World Cup y kind of thing in 2025, January, February, before they begin the full cycle of Olympics and World Cup. So, I mean, to me, the bigger news is not so much the 2025 thing, whatever weird incarnation that ends up being, but the fact that they are speaking optimistically and mm-hmm. um, and wantingly about, about the World Cup and the Olympic Games. BC Lions home Saturday to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. It's a 4 p.m. kickoff at BC Place, and we're giving away a pair of tickets, and it comes with a food and beverage card and a gift card. And a gift certificate to the team store. Text hashtag Lions to 778-402-9680. That's hashtag Lions. Text it 778-402-9680 for your chance to win. Trevor will be picking a winner tomorrow. We'll announce on on Friday's show. Uh got out of the game reasonably well from a health point of view. Dominic Rimes is still out. He's going to remain on the six-game injured list. You can take a player back off the six-game injured list. But Rimes is going to stay there. We figured it would be at least another week, maybe even another couple of weeks. The good news is starting left tackle Jarrell Broxson is back at practice as his starting defensive tackle Woody Barron. They both missed the game in Regina. Of course, that was a, a Lions loss. Uh, Big Nate Cherry, the Canadian defensive lineman, he got hurt. Looks like he's going to miss. So continue to be a little bit concerned about their depth there at defensive tackle. They've got some injuries there. And at offensive tackle, although Broxton is looking good. And then how about this, Blake? And I got to say, I have been pleasantly surprised for the Canadian Football League that in an era of cord cutting, and perhaps the answer is that the average age of CFL fans is such that they aren't cord cutters. But CFL game TV numbers, they hold pretty steady, man. And the Lions and Riders. Yeah, what'd they do? The highest rated game this year on TSN, 756,000 people watched the game on Sunday. Nothing to sneeze at. That's a terrific number. Now, I go back to the day where like a good, big, regular season game could get up to a million, Blake, yeah, but. Yeah. You know, a 25% loss of audience, given what we've seen across the board in terms of loss of audience for anything on cable, is not all that bad. And that's over a long period of time. Again, that's that's the cable number that doesn't take into account streaming. That does not. No. It does not. These are TV ratings. Mm-hmm. And there have been five games this year of 700,000 or more, and the Lions have featured in two of them. This past week at Regina and the home game against Montreal in week five which did 705,000. And I think a big part of that is the Lions are regarded now after, and I think they're still basking in Nathan Rourke glow there, that they are regarded as a, as a fun team. They play exciting football. Yeah. And they're sensational on defense. Yeah. Down the I-5, there's good and bad news. We mentioned the injury to rookie wide receiver Jackson Smith in Jigba with the Seahawks. Wrist surgery, he's out three to four weeks, so doesn't look like he's going to play in the opener. The good news is, is their first-round pick from a few years back, linebacker Jordan Brooks, is likely to play in the opener. He's coming off ACL surgery. And then the Canadian defensive back, Jonathan Sutherland, who had been practicing with the first team 
despite all these drafted defensive backs Seattle has over the last couple of years. He's got a leg injury. He's day-to-day. That's uh, disappointing for the kid. I'm sure he didn't think a couple of weeks into his NFL career as an undrafted free agent he'd be with the first team in the Seattle secondary. So we'll we'll see where he goes from here. But I, I that kid's a leader and a special teamer, and I think he'll play at some point this year for the Hawks, maybe not. Uh, as a starter in the in the secondary, uh, I'll say this though: as much as uh, a lot of people down in the Emerald City are getting set for their favorite team, the Seahawks, boy, that baseball team is something else. Unbelievable! They win again last night. This is two separate eight-game winning streaks in the month of August, Blake. That has not been done, two separate eight-game or more winning streaks in a month since the Dodgers six years ago. It hasn't been done this late in a season since the Baltimore Orioles in 1980, so nearly a half century ago. And as Ryan Divish points out from the Seattle Times, this is the closest the Mariners have been to the division lead this late in the season, the last time they were one game out on August 23rd was 2007, Blake. We forget how pathetic the team has been over the years. Only team never go to a World Series. But you've got to go back 16 years to find them this close to the division lead this late in the season. Well, between them winning the Rangers on a six-game skid, it, it's... Um... It's a it's a little bit remarkable. Like that division is well. I mean, the East is kind of crazy too, but it's really a two team. I mean, the Jays have no chance to win the division, but to have three teams this late, I mean, that is that is spectacular. And um, I mean, they do look a little bit foolish now. And and hey, we, you know, we uh, we didn't necessarily go hard and predict that this would happen, but we did count it as a risk for the Mariners. Well, we said, and it was talked about on Seattle Radio, and there were clips coming out of the M's clubhouse. There's a little bit of a major league theme going on here. Yeah. Clubhouse was pissed at my at management and ownership for not helping them out at the deadline and trading guys trading out. Trading away a piece. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> here they are squarely in line for a wild card or to win the American League. West Blue Jays won an important game in extra innings against Baltimore last night. Nice to see they can finally beat Baltimore. And as many joked, Kenny Williams, executive vice oh, president of baseball operations in Chicago, fired. Now Edward Rogers can finally get his man. You may remember years ago he broke off a call to Jerry Reinsdorf, wondering about the availability of Williams, who played for the Jays at one point, and was told, um, Paul Beeston's my best friend. Are you looking to replace my best friend with my current baseball chief? Kind of a uh, blip there with the Rogers. How many years was he there? It feels like 50. Kenny? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. And the Vancouver Canadians, as we told you yesterday, terrific interview with Brent Lavallee, their field manager from North Delta, are on a 12-game homestand. It is the longest of the year. They're at the Nat tonight. I'll be going. Blake, they did it again last night. They were two outs away from being shut out. Bats rallied, two runs to the bottom of the 10th, walked it off against Spokane. And pitcher Adam Mako, the Slovak slash Irish slash Canadian, best game of the year, struck out 11 
in five shutout innings. So well done to the Seas. All they do is win, particularly at Nat Bailey. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by Dutch. Dutch, BC's best breakfast when you think breakfast in British Columbia. You think the Dutch. Uh, no welcome mat today. We're going to spend our time with Jeff Patterson and Frank Corrado talking about Elias Pettersson's comments and all the implications for him, the club, and for this season. We'll get to some hashtags, the best and worst of Twitter. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, they've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop Spirits. And the weather's getting a little cooler, but we're still pretending we're thriving in the summer. That's summer heat. With workshop spirits, ombre margarita, hi there, hard lemon iced tea, and hi there, our peach iced tea will keep you feeling tropical all year long. End of the workday, treat yourself to a yellow dog neighborhood or workshop spirit. So here's some price from Wall Center presentation, Applewood Auto Group. I just got a text. My, my son's literally at Applewood right now picking up a paint pen. Uh, they'll help you out in any way possible, even after you've bought a vehicle. Hmm. Touch up the uh, the vehicle oh, that wow. you have. In my case, I'm keeping my Mitsubishi Outlander from <laughs> Applewood Mitsubishi pristine. Almost had a garbage truck back into it today. I sure hope so. I laid on the horn. Don't touch the Outlander. Uh, so much fun <laughs> to drive. So smooth. So quiet inside. Massive touchscreen. Um, it's really beautiful. Go take one for a test drive right now. Visit them at the Richmond Auto Mall, Applewood Mitsubishi. Bodog poll question. Are you scared Elias Patterson is going to want out? Yes or no? Vote at Secure Some Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. Bodog, line of the day for me. The Seattle Mariners have won eight in a row. They are the only MLB franchise never to appear in a World Series. If you like them to win the American League, it pays a 7-1 to one on your Bodog line of the day here he is back from uh, vacation and we're just so very pleased the patterson's were able to get to hawaii and home safely our connects reporter from rinkwide vancouver mr jeff patterson how we doing jeff uh doing well rested relaxed uh yeah i, so, I mean hey, hawaii at any time of year we've never done it in the summer before uh some different options although you know climate there really never changes so uh uh yeah it was just uh, but yes uh originally we were scheduled to spend 10 days in Maui that had to change uh for obvious reasons uh we adapted and it was a minor inconvenience for us compared to uh what the people of Maui and then watching from afar as Kelowna burned so uh yeah just incredible times here uh in this month of August yeah and thinking of everybody uh, both in Hawaii and in the Okanagan Shuswap who are still de- uh, dealing with fires in the aftermath. Jeff, we had this hit plan scheduled uh, several days ago, and lo and behold, here comes Elias Pettersson with a bombshell uh, about his contractual status and how it's not going to be resolved this summer, and it sounds like it may last the season. What is your interpretation of what you heard from the Canucks star centerman? Yeah, I, I mean, making waves on a boat with Friedman there uh, in Stockholm. Um 
look, it puts the pressure right back on the Vancouver Canucks. And I, I never anticipated that there was going to be a deal done prior to the start of the season. Uh, his agent uh, had spoken, obviously he's got Papperson and J.P. Barry, and, and J.P. Barry had said at the outset of the summer that they wanted to step back, they were going to take their time, that he had other players and issues to deal with in and around free agency, and that he thought maybe towards the end of the summer uh, there would be some conversations with the Vancouver Canucks. Now, it certainly sounds like those have not started yet. It is late August. Training camp is uh, just under a month from now. But, you know, the quotes from Elias Pettersson certainly sound like uh, in no hurry, no rush, going to take a wait and see here. Uh, You know, we've addressed this before. We thought that this guy's a shrewd operator. Even at the age of 24, he'll turn 25 in November. But this will be his sixth NHL season. And we know that he's been in the playoffs once. And even then, the team didn't qualify for the playoffs. They were invited to the larger tournament in the bubble in Edmonton. He was exceptional in his first look at NHL postseason action, 18 points in 17 games. But he wants to win. He's said it before. And I think this now says, all right, like I'm in a position here where I'm going to be patient. I need to see that these changes that this hockey club has made in the offseason you know, they're going to produce and yield the results that everybody hopes they do and that this is a better team than perhaps he has ever played on uh, in his time in the National Hockey League. So he's not rushing into anything. You know, I, I guess the the one quote that jumped out at me was the, you know, short-term or long-term. I mean, he leaves it open there that I, I think everybody thinks the Canucks want the max deal, and they probably do, but it takes two sides to negotiate. That is part of negotiation. He has options, and it sounds like he's keeping all those options open. He's betting on himself, it it would appear. And you do wonder, too, what the Canucks are thinking and how scared they are. Not that he's necessarily going to leave per our poll question, but just about what they're going to have to pay him ultimately because he's also a two-way player. So it's not like they could even take him to arbitration and, and poke holes in his game, a la maybe a JT Miller kind of a player. Um, there's there's really not a lot to work with against Elias Pettersson at this point. No, and Sebastian Ajo got his deal done in Carolina, and I think Ajo was always on the low end of the comparables. He's a terrific player, but Pettersson's had higher individual seasons. He's higher point-per-game guy. Uh, Ajo's got more of a playoff track record, but even then, he's never had that one playoff. Uh, and we know that Carolina, you know, they, they just haven't been able to get over the hump uh, with this group. And I think any way you stack it up, Elias Pettersson you know, has the numbers that would suggest that uh, the Ajo deal would pre- you know, present a baseline, but that Pettersson would exceed that. And, you know, no surprise, we talked about it at the time, Carolina managed to keep Ajo under $10 million. And I just think there was something about that $10 million threshold. Uh, there's no way in my mind that Pettersson's new deal starts with anything less than a 10. And in a platform year, if he you know, if he backs up his 102-point season with another one, then something in that 11 neighborhood I don't think is out of the question. Of course, with Pat Persson and J.P. Barry, like nothing is going to slip through the cracks with these guys. They know that the salary cap is expected to go up, and so why wouldn't you want to see, you know, what the parameters are and just how much of that piece of the pie uh, you can get for your client? So, again, I think that factors into the waiting game here The one caveat for me is, though, that the last time Elias Pettersson played into the final year of a contract, it was his entry-level deal. It was also the All-Canadian Division year. Things were different in COVID, obviously. But he got off to a sluggish start, and then he got hurt. 
And we all remember that the following year, both he and Quinn Hughes stayed away from training camp as they awaited new deals. And that was that 25-game stretch that ultimately led to the dismissal of Travis Queen. And Elias Pedersen got off to a brutal start. And he admitted after the fact that the contract weighed on him more than he thought it would. Now, he's older. He's got, you know, I think a better... Uh, sense of who he is as a hockey player, sort of the dynamics all around the contract. I want to believe that he'd be able to process all of this, but you know, he's a human being and we are talking about massive numbers, whether it's a shorter term deal or if it's a max contract, like he is setting himself up here with this contract for the rest of his life. So, you know, that's a lot for a young guy who, again, isn't even 25 years of age. He's admitted that coming out of his first deal affected him how is all of this going to impact him? Can he compartmentalize? And for a team that has laid it out there bare that, you know, it's playoffs or bust this year. Now we've heard that from them before and obviously they've, they've busted, but they need this guy. They need this guy to be their leader. They need him to be the player that he was last year. And that's why it would have been terrific. I think for everybody, had they been able to get pen to paper and just put this behind them. Instead, it's a storyline that's going to dominate this season until uh, a decision is made. Great institutional knowledge there, Jeff. You're quite right about the last time and his contract. He played on the final year of his deal and what he said by way of explanation for that slow start. Um, Let me just ask you the Bodog poll question flatly. Are you scared he's going to want out? I'm not going to say I'm scared at this point. Uh, Certainly recognize the playing field, Matthew Kachuk and others. Um, you know, a different sport, but we saw a guy like Julian Gressel recently with the Whitecaps, and Blake would know this, that, you know, for family reasons, he wanted to play elsewhere, that I think we're seeing star athletes take control of their careers more than ever before. And so whether it's wanting a change of scenery, whether it's wanting to put yourself in a position to win, whether it's family considerations, all of those types of things, uh, these athletes recognize that they can force the hand of the team that they play for. And so uh, I'm wary of it. Uh, you know, the doomsday scenario, and, and trust me, I'm not there yet, but I've just put, I mean, we're in this discussion now. It's not so much what if Elias Pettersson ultimately wants to go down the Matthew Kachek road. It's how quickly would Quinn Hughes be out that same door right after him. And I think there are a lot of people that believe that Quinn Hughes already has an eye to, you know, uniting with his brothers in New Jersey and getting an opportunity at some point in their careers to all play together. If Patterson goes, uh, I do think that it signals, you know, you are in a full-on rebuild of the rebuild, if you will. And that's the concern because I think we all want to see what can these guys do. We got the one taste of them in postseason hockey. They all passed the test. You know, coming out of the bubble, they were a sexy team. They were sort of one of the teams people were talking about around the National Hockey League. And then that Thanksgiving weekend happened where uh, all the free agents walked out the door. That sort of changed uh, the path and the the direction of the hockey club. So uh, I I recognize all the scenarios. I'm not ready to get worried yet. I do think that Elias Pettersson likes the city of Vancouver. I think he really likes a, a lot of his teammates. He enjoys being uh, a star player, uh, all those types of things. But ultimately, like you think about it, guys, he's, he's going to be 25 in the fall. If he plays till he's 35, like we're talking 10 years, a decade, it seems like forever. But if you boil it right down, that's 10 chances to win a Stanley Cup. Life moves quickly in professional sports. And so if this team was to stumble out of the gate yet again, throw up all over itself, absolutely. I could see Elias Pettersson saying, look, I've given you guys six really good years, some of the prime years of my life. It's just not happening here at that stage. 
Uh, I could see him seeking other opportunities, but I'm not prepared to get there yet. I want to see what the changes that the hockey club has made, a full season of Rick Tockett, all those types of things. And if Elias Pettersson can stay at the star level that he was at last year, you know, there are reasons to believe that this team can finally get some traction and move it in the right direction. But ultimately, it's all talk right now in late August. They've got to put it on the ice starting on October the 11th. What do you think this does with regards to the captaincy? And is there any world now where you can name Elias captain for this season after this declaration? Uh, not until you have an extension in hand. I, I, I just think those two things go uh, hand in hand here, that there's no way you can make that commitment to him from the organizational side with the captaincy and then ultimately have him decide that this isn't the place that he wants to be long-term. I just don't think that obviously not a good look for Who does that look so bad on though? Does that mean three A's, Jeff? Or do you think you turn it over to Quinn? Well, I've always been in the Elias Pettersson in my world is yes. the next captain. I'm with you Canucks, But this can change that conversation, certainly. And I have time for the people that make the strong argument that Quinn Hughes is you know, exhibited all of these leadership skills late last season, talking out, uh, talking up, and, and you know, standing up for for Tanner Pearson and a guy that you know, you know wants to win and is one of the best players. Like I'm not a this isn't a, an anti Quinn Hughes to be the next captain stance. It's just I've always felt that Elias Pettersson would be the next captain of the Vancouver Canucks, uh, but I, I just don't think he can go there right now uh, with the uncertainty. And again, like it's well within his rights. Like I've had so many people on social media just like, you know, just give him what he wants and get it done. But it doesn't work that way. Like there are factors at play here. And one of them is the long-term success of the Vancouver Canucks. So, you know, they could put a blank check in front of him. And obviously that would offer him all the security that he would ever need for his lifetime. But it doesn't guarantee the chance to win uh, in the short term or in the long run. And I do think that that's important to him. This has to have been soul crushing all of these seasons of, you know, stepping up and doing what he's done and last year getting to 100 points and still not a sniff of the playoffs. So for the people that seem to think this is on the Canucks to just put a check in front of Elias Pettersson, doesn't work that way. Uh, I think he is, uh, you know, protecting his options at this point and doesn't want to lock himself into something that ultimately, now that's not to say he could lock himself in and they could still trade him. But this, I think, creates a few more options for him uh, just by holding back right now and not uh, putting that pen to paper. Who, do, who does it look bad on if you give him the captaincy now and there's and it, and it, and it hits a snag? Like, to me, you give him the captaincy, maybe. And I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm uh, exploring the space here. Um, you I'm going to give you a wide berth to explore the space. You this give him the captaincy. Sounds like a Blake Price tangent, Jeff, that you and I are going to be forced to respond to. You give him the captaincy, and all, all of a sudden now, the pressure's on him of, are you going to walk away from a captaincy now? You know, do, like, do you think he'll accept it, though? Well, he just watched, he watched the last captain recognized yeah, that he couldn't get the contract that he was looking for here in Vancouver and that yeah. he couldn't play in playoff or couldn't play playoff hockey here in Vancouver mm -hmm. as soon as he could elsewhere. And so, you know, I think there's a real life experience there. It's not quite apples to apples. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if the Canucks, you know, to me, it looks like a bit of a desperation lifesaver ploy that you're throwing at him, yep. uh, mm -hmm. trying to get him to, but again, mm -hmm. I don't think it changes the conversation if he and his agents feel that this thing just isn't working for the Vancouver Canucks, whether he's got the C on uh, or not. You know, I, I still think that he's going to want to explore other options 
But, uh, you know, I want to be careful when I say this and I want people to hear. Like, I'm not saying that he wants out. I'm saying that this is such a pivotal season for this organization. Guys, if they don't, and we've talked about this before, but if they don't make the playoffs in the spring of 2024, Mm -hmm. it's going to have been a full decade between playoff dates at Rogers Arena from the spring of 2015. If they don't get there in 2024, then the next time after that, uh, is 2025. Like It's just mind-boggling to think that so many of these guys have been here as this organization has spun its wheels and it hasn't... Like, part, part of me is surprised that there hasn't been one of these guys that's wanted out sooner. That the patients that, you know, whether it was Horvat or Besser or, you know, now Hughes and Pedersen, like in this day and age, I, I'm a little surprised that somebody hasn't forced the issue, you know, to this point. What about three A's, Jeff? Take that on. Because for me, if they go with three A's, that sort of is their tell that they really want Elias to be the captain, but they can't do so under the current contractual situation. Do you think there's a world where they would go three alternates, no captain this this year? Yeah, I do. I think Rick Tockett sort mm-hmm. of was noncommittal at the end of season press conference when he was pushed about, you know, don't tell us who necessarily, but will there be a captain? And he kind of waffled a little bit and he spoke at length about this leadership group. And there's no doubt that Pedersen and Hughes and Miller comprise that leadership group. We'll see if anybody else sort of makes their way in. But Tockett talked about how much he was going to lean on them. Uh, you know, they've uh, let Jason King go as the power play coach. I think Tockett's going to take on some of that. But he also said, you know, he wants to defer to the players themselves to have more of a, uh, a hand and a stake in, you know, what they do. Those are the guys that, you know, are the machine that make the power play run. And so, you know, de facto playing coaches uh, in, in some sense there. So uh, could I see three A's? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how they operated down the stretch after Horvat was traded. So I could see this being a bit of a buffer year. Uh, without a full-time captain, but I would read it the same way you would, Matt, that if that's the decision that they go with, that it probably tells you what they'd like to do, but they just Mm -hmm. don't feel comfortable stitching that C onto Pedersen's jersey at this point. Marvelous having you back and talking Canucks with you, J-Pat. You're the best in the business on that. Thank you for this, and we'll catch up next week. All right, guys. We'll we'll catch up Friday. You're in for me on Friday. Mm -hmm. You'll be in with Blake here on Friday. Yeah, you bet. All right, we'll talk to you then. Price from Wall Center presentation Apple at Auto Group. Hashtags the best horse of Twitter are brought to you by our friend Jason Hominick of Jason Dog Mortgage. Like we've been telling them, like there's so much out there in the market right now that's gone crazy. You see the feds are talking about eliminating the GST on home sales? So our mayor was tweeting about that last night as well. Mm. So much uncertainty. Hey, what's the goal there? Now they want to kickstart well, the housing market? Uh, no, like, I, think that, I think that's to make home ownership more affordable. Right, but but the, on purchase. So you're trying to kickstart the market effectively. Like I thought they were trying to depress the market there. You are free to ask questions of the federal cabinets that discuss that this week. This week. How about you just stop hiking up the freaking interest rates? How about that? Well, how about you get someone who can navigate the course for you? It's our buddy Jason Hominick with the best advice at Jason dot mortgage um speaking of depressed if you're a yankees fan oh you be that oh it looks good on them doesn't it uh just add bodog at bodog ca in fact the yankees have now lost nine games in a row their longest losing streak since 1982 
That's the thing. Like we That's grew- before I started watching baseball, oh, see, really. Yeah. Like I had seen very few baseball games in my life to that to that point. Like that's about when I did. So like it's so funny and my my dad didn't understand it either. Like like I thought the Yankees were just a shitty franchise. Like, like I, I if, didn't know if, the history, if, right? If you came to baseball in the 80s, yeah. they were. Yeah. Like, it was an empty Yankee stadium. It was Billy Martin getting tossed. It was Billy Martin getting tossed. Billy Martin getting hired, fired. George up to George things. Yeah. Getting headlines. Wants to be on that back page of the tabs. It was a shit show. Mm-hmm. Like, there's only two major leaguers who were alive last time the Yankees lost nine in a row. Rich Hill and Adam Wainwright. And their last 10-game losing streak? Here's another old-timey baseball thing. 1913, pre-World War One. That was the last, what? 10-game losing streak. Lose one more, we're going back to one 1913. More, and we're going back 110 years. Unbelievable. Uh-huh. Uh, some disappointment here for a local player, but also... Uh, well, let's get into it. Adarash Madani covering the FIBA World Cup until Canada's officially set its final roster of 12. Per sources, Thomas Scrub of Richmond. And Kenny Cherry were the final two cuts, which means Zach Eady, 21, has made the national team roster. You have to believe Canada will need a size at some point. Yes, the Big 7-4 reigning National Collegiate Player of the Year in the NCAAs with Purdue. Poor Thomas Scrub. He's played in 51 games for the national team, not including exhibitions. He played in all 12 qualifiers to get into the FIBA World Cup. And alas, he is not going forward with the team to Jakarta, but his brother Thomas is. Wow. that's uh, Oh, sorry. Phil. Brother Phil is. Yeah. Yes. So they're only taking one. They're only taking one Scrub. I thought... That was a package deal. Yeah. Huh. I'm I'm sure they were for most of their lives. Wow. Mm. Um, we didn't get into this yesterday at Ren Lavoie TV. Uh, hearing from multiple sources that Logan Mayu received the green light from the NHL to play for the Montreal Canadiens when his time will come. So this is the end of all speculations regarding his future. The NHL appears to be ready to welcome Logan Mayu back into the fold. Yeah. Well, he hasn't played an NHL game yet, has he? No. Okay. He is uh, fresh off a run to the OHL Championship with the London Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, if people forget which particular hockey scandal this one was, yeah. you will be forgiven because there are so many. Uh, he was the guy charged under Swedish law right. with what they call defamation and offensive photography. Um, he shared explicit non-consensual pictures with his teammates of his girlfriend with uh, in Sweden. Mm-hmm. He was suspended indefinitely by the OHL at that point. Yeah. Um, most people are not happy about this, needless to say. Um, I, I, Has he served whatever punishment he was handed out by Swedish authorities? Um, or is that trial still to come? No, I think this is old. This oh, is from okay. 2020. Yeah, I think he's... I think he's through mm-hmm. that part of it, yeah. At Devin underscore Uru, CBC. 200-meter hat trick. Canadian sprinters Aaron Brown, Brendan Rodney, and Andre de Grasse all qualified for the semis in Wednesday's heats in the Hungarian capital. The finals later this week as well. 
We're a nation of sprinters. It's the damnedest thing because you're talking about potentially the most competitive sport the world over because every country's got a guy who can run fast, right? And yet you're in, you're out. Canada punches above its weight class in this discipline. Three of them in the semis is really good. And one suspects Aaron Brown and Andre DeGrasse for sure. Barring, barring a mistake, are going to get into the final. Yeah, I, they're I don't, just that fast. I don't know where it comes from, to be honest. No, but great that we are that good. Well, I mean, you know, at this stage of the game, I think we have the culture and the infrastructure. I mean, you know, I realize Ben Johnson is a name that's complicated, but if you go all the way back to then, there was Canadian track coaches and sprint coaches who were working with young athletes. And yeah. We've seen that through the years. So mm-hmm. I'm out. And, and I'll say this. The Olympics are more fun when you have sprinters right. involved, yeah. potentially, for the medal. Like mm-hmm. the 100 meter and the 200 meter. I like the four and the mark. eight even. I even like the four and the eight because they're over pretty mm-hmm. fast, too. Like yep. you, you don't want things to linger. I don't know if I can mm-hmm. get into the 15,000. but Yeah. And lastly, uh, at Matt underscore Van Ewan, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Matt, he wrote in. He said, any chance, Blake and Matt, that you can do a small segment on the 23 men's Canadian fast Pitch championships. They're happening next week, August 30th to September 3rd at Softball City. What a fantastic facility that is. 20 of the best teams in Canada are competing. So good luck to Matt and all the British Columbia sides mm-hmm. at the Fast Pitch Championships. And that's hashtags for today. Joined now by TSN hockey analyst, former Vancouver Canuck, Mr. Frank Corrado. Frank, how we doing? Excellent. How you guys doing? Good. Yeah, very well. Digesting this news from Sweden, where Elias Pettersson says there will be no contract extension this summer. He wants to wait and play the season and get off to a good start. You saw the clip. You heard his words. What do you make of it all, Frank? Welcome to the Thunderdome, boys. This is, uh, you know, like this. This is what it's all about, right here. So the first thing that would tell me is that he's feeling healthy, right? Like he feels healthy, and if that guy feels healthy, he feels very confident that he can be a top what I don't know, top ten player in the league, right? Like that's very attainable for him. So um, listen, I think it's great news if you're a Canucks fan because you know Elias Pettersson is, is a feeling healthy. And B, he's going to come in here and think, like, I'm ready to have a big season. So, you know, it's always interesting when a player has a contract looming, right? And if the season doesn't go very well, a lot of time the narrative is like, oh, want to be here really badly, really want to get this con. You're almost like over eager to get something done to, to kind of like say, okay, I'm secure, I'm safe here. But when you have a season like Pedersen had, and, you know, the ceiling that Pedersen has as a player, I think he looks at it and says, I'm not going to rush into anything. I'm going to wait and see how this plays out because if he gets off to a really good start and the season cards, you know, keeps rolling on that way, it's like, why does he have to settle for anything earlier on? So, listen, you know, you can look at it in a negative light if you're a fan and be like, wow, it's going to cost us a lot more money. Or you could look at it in a positive way and say, this guy's going to be a rock star again next year, you know, even more than he was last year. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. But 
Uh, that's that was my main takeaway is that he's healthy and he's confident that he could have a big big season. Frank, we've been talking about how Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Kachuk have really scarred the Canadian hockey fan. I think, and and that's not the case here because he's only headed towards restricted free agency next summer, not unrestricted free agency. But it's still a, a measure of control that he has in a year's time. Is that difference just too big for you to to be worried that? Elias Pettersson would would try to force his way out of Vancouver? I, I would say this, like not every Canadian city is built the same. Like we have to be on it. Like Vancouver's a little different, right? It, it's a very desirable place to live. The climate's a little different. Um, you know, those are things that, you know, maybe you, you have to take into account when, when we're talking about the, the players wanting to leave Canadian cities discussions. And that's that's nothing against you know, any of the cities that that's happened to, it's just, it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and that's, that's a reality. I happen to love all, all those cities, Winnipeg, Calgary, Ottawa, they're all, you know, they all have their, their charm and uniqueness to them. Uh, but Vancouver is a very desirable place to live and, and, and be. Um, so I, I don't know if that like plays into things, but you know, as far as Pedersen goes, if things are going well for you on the ice, if things are going well for you in the city, I don't see why you need to start looking at it and saying, um, you know, maybe this is somewhere I don't want to be. I kind of looked at, you know, what he said and, and started thinking of, okay, what does the term look like? Because everyone, you know, who's, who's a high end player seems to want to give their team eight years. And I think that's the, the natural thought process of a hockey player is like, I just want to be locked in. I don't want to have to think about it. Because you think about like being a player, you have so many different people that do things for you because all you want to do is play hockey, right? So you got the financial guy, you, you check in every once in a while, but he's doing his thing. You got the agent, you check in every once in a while, but he's doing his thing. You got like, you know, now guys, I didn't have this because I wasn't showtime, but like a lot of these guys have like the concierge guy that books them the travel and this and that. It's like, you know, but so what? what I'm trying to say is, you just want to think about playing hockey and not worry about anything else. But we're almost entering into like this, this new era where the salary cap is going to jump significantly. And you can almost time things where you say, I'm going to take a shorter term deal. And if I stay healthy and I'm confident in my abilities, I can maximize my earning potential even more at the end of that. I, I think that's where I kind of, my head goes with Pedersen rather than, not wanting to commit to Vancouver, the city, long term. First of all, I'll be your concierge guy. I love me Expedia and Kayak. So it, you need oh. travel plans. I will be all over that. Secondly, um, every con- every contract gets stale, right? Like remember when Alex Ovechkin signed his big deal back in the aughts, late aughts or whatever it was, and, and we thought, oh my god, I can't believe you're devoting that much money to to, to one guy. And eventually, that, that ended up being kind of a valued contract by the end. Every contract gets stale. Like, yeah, yeah maybe you, maybe you sign for four or five years and then look for another big money payout then. Yeah, listen, like Sidney Crosby's contract is another great example of it. Yeah. Like $8.7 million. Like, he's outperformed it every yes. single year. And And I understand, like, there's something to be said about like, you know, the Boston model, if you want to call it that for lack of a better term, where, you know, certain players leave some money on the table so they can have a good team every single year. Tell you what, it's only worth it if you win. (laughs) You know, if you don't win, you left a lot of money on the table throughout your career. And you're like, man, I should have cashed in for that. You know, I'm having a a 12, you know, 12 year career if everything goes really well. 
that's a lot of money that you could leave on the table doing that kind of thing. Um, but listen, I, I think like we're, we've, we've lived in this world now where the cap has been flat for so long and we've become so like sensitive to what people make. So, you know, I'll give you an example, like Sebastian Ajo making 9.75 right now. Okay. It's a certain percentage of the cap. When the cap jumps up to 94 million, it's at 83 and a half million. When the cap jumps up to 94 million, we're going to be looking at those numbers in such a different light. We have to look at it as percentage of the cap and not AAV. And at some point, like, you know, if, if you want to kind of take a risk right now on a shorter term deal and then eventually take your chances on signing something later, your percentage of the cap is likely going to go up on that next one. So there's going to be more, you know, more for you to chew on that way. I think, listen, it, it's probably, it's, it's against the grain. It's unconventional, you know, for what hockey players like to do. We just think of, okay, I'm going to get my long-term ticket. I'm going to lock it in. But we're just living in a world now where the cap's going to go up quite a bit in a short period of time. And I think agents and players are kind of recognizing that. And if you got the stones to do it, um, then, hey, you're, you're free to do it. Well, and that was my follow-up, uh, Frank. Uh, whether or not you think this was percentage of the cap and get richer, especially if you have another season like you did last year, this coming season. Incidentally, it was $9.5 million. Alex Ovechkin was making that in 08-09. Yeah. 12-year deal, which are no longer allowed. Right. And they both felt so good about the deal, he re-signed a six-year extension at effectively the same freight. But, Frank, take, take it on. Do you think this is percentage of cap-related and they believe the longer they wait, the more money they're going to get. Well, listen, if, if he's debating whether like to take an eight-year deal or take a shorter-term deal, I absolutely think it would be percentage of the cap. I, I don't see any other, you know, deterrent really. Like, you know, ice time's always going to be there for him. I guess you could say like wants to know the direction of the team, but I think the direction of the team is pretty clear with the way things have gone. They haven't stripped things down to to rebuild. They're they're going to try and stay relevant and push for the playoffs. So I think you know. Uh, what the direction is at the end of the day for a player like Pedersen he can have the patience to see how things play out um, and listen I think when a player is as good as he is the team is going to be okay with him being patient I, I think a team can kind of put the put the screws to you a little bit if you're one of those guys it's like listen we can move on and we can find you right they can't move on and find Elias Pedersen or it'd be extremely difficult to so I think, you know what, he has understood that and he's got some leverage in the situation. And at some point here, like if he has another big year, I wouldn't be surprised if he looks at it and says, I know this league pretty well. I know how to play in it. I know how to get points. I know how to be a star player. Um, you know, let, let me try and, and, and do something that's a little bit against the grain. He may not. Like he may, ju- he may just say, you know what, I don't even want to think about it. And, and I'll play better that way. And, and all that stuff is great. But if, if he does choose to go that way, he's just going to take up a, you know, a more appropriate percentage of the cap as opposed to if he signs for, um, you know, X amount of, of AAV right now and eventually the cap goes up $10 million. Speaking of putting the screws, of course, taking the Canucks to arbitration next summer would be something that Vancouver absolutely wants to avoid as a team. Help me with this, Frank, because I have heard players since I began covering sports say, I wanted to get the contract done before the season so I can just focus on the year, get off to a good start and and not have to worry about it anymore. 
Elias just told us the exact opposite. He wants to get off to a good start, and so they're delaying the contract. How does that strike you as a former player? Well, I, I think you look at the arbitration at the end of you know at the end of the season, and he probably looks at it and says, "If I hold up my end of the bargain here this season, I'll probably have the better arbitration case, and the team won't want to go through that process with me." Also, back to back hundred point, back to back hundred point years, sort of thing. right, yeah. like back to back. I mean, those sorts seasons. of players never get yeah. to arbitration, right? Right, yeah. like those sorts of players almost never. A player like that, let's say he doesn't get to arbitration. Let's say they they get to the point where it's it's getting close. What possible argument is the team going to have against that player, right? Like, you know, really it's, what you're trying to do is break the player down. I, I don't know how you would do that to your number one center, back-to-back 100-point seasons. Like, I just don't see – like, I, I think Pedersen's camp understands how much leverage they have. And in a way, you know, Matt, you mentioned that some players say, I want to have the contract done heading into the season because I don't want to think about it anymore. The same logic can be applied here. He's just basically saying, I don't want it done right now, but I'm also not going to think about it right now. Like, I'm just going to play the season here and then we'll worry about it, you know, at, at the finish line. So I think mentally from a player's point of view, I think he still puts himself in the same mindset in fact, now, like instead of worrying about it all summer and having that maybe creep into your summer training, he's just completely put it off to the side and said, I'm just I'm just playing hockey right now. Numbers are going to have to take care of themselves, you know, down yeah. the road. Cap, cap friendly and, and the others do put cap percentage on. I, I haven't heard a lot of people over a wide swath of years sort of use that as a target. And it's of course going to change. We hope uh, in the coming years, because we hope the cap changes. We hope the cap goes, goes up at least incrementally every year, but McKinnon and McDavid make 15% of their team's cap. What are we saying that Elias Pettersson's worth in year one of this new deal? Oh, I, I would 13, think 12, 13. Yeah. Like I, I would think at least 12, 13 million or sorry, 12, 13% of the cap. Percent, yeah, Absolutely. Percent. Um, you know, and that's kind of the benchmark is, is what are, what does McDavid get? What does McKinnon get? And you kind of work yourself down from there. The other thing, and I know you guys love when I bring Toronto, um, into the mix at at some point, people are (laughs) going to want to see how much, you know, percentage of the cap does Austin Matthews take? Cause that's going to be very relevant. Right. Um, so, Mm -hmm. so, you know, and Matthews is another one of those players, actually probably the only other player that, looks at things right now and says it's probably going to be a three to five year deal. And then I know the cap is going up. So I'm going to want to eat up a little more of that percentage of the cap. Um, You know, and and Mike Johnson has been talking about the Matthews deal here in Toronto, basically all season long. And, you know, there was a lot of talk, like, could he be the first player to eat up 20% of the cap? Right, if he were to sign Ooh. an eight-year deal, I just don't know how you can win that way. I don't know how you can. Yeah. I don't know how you can win with a player eating up twenty percent of the cap. So if you're looking at McKinnon, McDavid at fifteen percent, I think it's absolutely appropriate that uh, Elias Pettersson is is at least at least twelve, thirteen percent of the cap in Vancouver. Three follow-ups here. Number one, you're right, Blake, that we don't often in fans and media talk about percentage of the cap as a thing, but it is very common amongst agents. Number two, Frank, you're absolutely right, and Mike Johnson is absolutely right. Now that we know Elias is waiting, the Austin Matthews extension does become a thing for the Canucks and for Elias. And then, 
you know, thirdly, you're also right in that he has got to evaluate how much meat he wants to leave on the bone for a supporting cast as your ex-teammate Ryan Kessler once told us, right? We should all take a little less and make sure we keep this thing together. So those become really big considerations now as this year moves forward. It does. And, and you know what, even in Vancouver, like, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have been covering this team a long time. The twins were making 6 million at one point. And I think everyone basically had to just come in under that. Like Kessler was 4 million. Viexa was four. And those numbers seem so minuscule now, right? But because the cap has gone up to where it is in, in 2023, and even though we've had a flat cap, it, it, those numbers still seem so, so minuscule at the time. You're thinking, wow, $6 million. That's, that's a lot, right? But that's, that's kind of where, where we've been headed. And, and in Vancouver, you know, when, when the team was very good and winning president's trophies, players were okay with, with taking less money in Boston. They've done it um, in Tampa Bay. Like I would always preface Tampa Bay as like, don't have to pay the, the state tax so that is a very real thing so you have to take that into consideration but yeah absolutely if you just want to be all about your money and just you know make as much as you possibly can chances are you're probably not leaving enough to be competitive so um you know that's that's something that the player and the team both have to find a, a good balance for matthew matthew's at 13.9 currently, currently yeah by the way just uh, mckinnon's for... 15.1 yeah. uh, i believe yeah. and uh frankly we used to call that the, the detroit model if you'll remember lidstrom got a certain amount and everybody else mm-hmm. was slotting in below lidstrom and and gillis and company brought that over here to vancouver with the twins last question for me my man um there's a vacant captaincy here. Can you, and there's already speculation that he doesn't really want it because of the contract, but is there any world where Elias Pettersson can now be the Vancouver Canucks captain, knowing what we know about his contractual status and plans going forward? I'm sure he could be like, I I don't think that's a deterrent really. I would just say like, is, is the player ready for it? And, and does he want all that responsibility? There's a lot of microphones in your, in your face every day. There's a lot of answering to, to bad games. And, um, you know, you have a, you know, a game that doesn't go your way. And then, you know, the mic- same microphones that were just in your face 12 hours ago after the game, they're right back in your face after practice in the morning. Um, so, you know, it, it is a lot. He's still a young player. He's a very talented young player. But this whole, like, contract thing, for me anyways, doesn't tell me that he shouldn't be the captain or doesn't want to be the captain. I just think this is part of business. Teams conduct their business how they think is appropriate, and we never really question when the team does it because they're the organization and it's just business. Well, now we're living in a little bit of a different world where – Players have a little more power, especially the ones that get 100 points in a season and are very good two-way players. So he's conducting his business. This is nothing personal. It's just business. And it's not even to that point. Like It sounds more alarmist than it actually is, right? But I I don't think one has to do with the other. I think Elias Pettersson would make a great captain. Um, you know, and even, you know, I, I know Quinn Hughes is, is another name that, that could be a captain. Like, I think there's a couple um, very sound choices within the organization. Before, before we let you go, we usually start asking a poll question. Let's end it with the poll question. Yes. Imagine yourself as a Canucks fan. A fan. Would you be scared that Elias Pettersson wants to, wants to leave? Zero percent. 
That would okay. be zero zero percent. I think it's this is I, this is a negotiation, a business decision in your mind only. That's all I that's yeah. all I see it as. I don't see it as Elias Pettersson is is getting cold feet by Vancouver and the Canadian market. I see it as this is you know it's it's business. It's a contract. There's a lot of money up for grabs here. At some point, we're gonna play this thing right. I don't get any vibes of like you know not wanting to be in Vancouver. I really don't. Marvelous stuff, Frank. Thank you for this. We'll catch up next week. Thanks, guys. So Harrison Price from Wall Center Presentation Apple at Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Team are great. It's gonna be great. I got it in there before you even said great. No, you missed your cue. No, I was just putting it in there early. You can vote early, you know. You like to go early, yeah. Yeah. There are some omissions from yesterday's program. We have several. Oh, and do we have an admonishment? So, first of all, the Yakety Timbers coach that we were thinking of yesterday would get into a lot of side um, touchline disagreements. Caleb Porter. Caleb Porter, yes. Who yes. was the coach previous to the most recently deposed coach, Savarisi? Yeah, Gio Savarisi. Yeah. yeah. So, Caps in Portland on the weekend. They're on their third coach in, well, a long time. Both mm-hmm. those guys were there for a long time. Shaking things up. Uh, I said we're going to do a left side defense poll yesterday. Uh, we scuttled that because OEL was selling us home. Serves me right through preview a poll question yeah I never do that yeah no. i should never do like, what that. if you had done it yesterday i know i know i know and I know, then this happens i know i know don't worry lesson learned it's called news man i thought we were in the dregs of summer whereby i could roll out a thematic poll question a day early and alas it was uh i was bit by it mark on twitter taking issue with me and offside i am mostly responsible uh in the headline, will the lack of size for the Canucks jibe with head coach Rick Tockett? He says, Matt, don't jive me. It's jibe. Uh, sorry, it said jive. He says, you're looking for jibe. Uh, right, you are using them interchangeably. And Mark's putting his foot down. I'm sure there's an English degree there like you, Blake. And then there's your key. Oh, come on. We're not going down the path of Jake of Blake Price's feline fallacies again, are we? <laughs> Double E and O, and I'm throwing one at Sakaris too for not remembering this. I said we had gone down this road before. Yeah, and I knew we had gone down the road before. What I didn't know is or remember is that we screwed this up the first time. Yeah. And we apparently screwed it up again. Panthers or Cougars, Jaguars or not. A Jaguar is most definitely not the same species as a BC mountain lion, not even the same genus. It's the Florida Panther. That's a kind of cougar, not the spotted big cats of South America. Yeah. Glad we've got that settled. Hopefully never have to talk about it again. 
Although we are getting Nathan Rourke on the program. <laughs> so <laughs> we might bring it up. It may have one last Soon as tomorrow, maybe. We'll uh-huh. see. Yeah. Bodog Line of the Daytime featuring Blake Price. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got. Uh, looking ahead on the uh, National Football League preseason schedule, the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Colts are... Um, taking some flyers on uh, offense, so I'm uh, I'm going to go with the Eagles. They're the underdog here, plus one sixty five wow. on your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder: subscribe to us and Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts, and please do follow us on all the social media apps. That's Twitter, Facebook, Insta, TikTok, and YouTube. Of course, support those community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.